Hi everybody, welcome to Agency Unfiltered. I'm your host, Kevin Dunn, and Agency Unfiltered is a bi-weekly web series and podcast that interviews agency owners from around the world about agency operations, growth, and scale. Episodes can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts, and you can find our videos and full transcripts on agencyunfiltered.com. Doug Davidoff, founder and CEO of Imagine Business Development, comes on the show to talk about his team's new pricing strategy, where he organizes his team's programs into three levels, services, solutions, and outcomes. We talk about how agencies tend to price for services, but promise outcomes, and how that misalignment sets the engagement up for potential failure. Learn how to align your prices, your promises, and your results with Agency Unfiltered, starting now. Well, Doug, welcome to uh, Agency Unfiltered. Welcome to uh, Cambridge, HubSpot HQ. It is good to be here. Thank you for having me on. And yes. um, as a memorial for this, yes. I brought you a gift. Welcome to the Sales Genius Network. Wow, thank you so much. Am I supposed to wear this for the whole episode? Absolutely, yeah. man. Right, Come let's on. Do it. This is, uh, I know you got the I work a lot. I, I work got, a lot I, on I the do here. All right. I know you got the hair yeah, thing, but we'll it, it'll, it'll still work out for sure. you. There is we this go. the right size? Hold on. It's whatever size you want it to be. How's that? There we, we go. Look good. Does that look all right? Yes. Yeah. All right. Sweet. We are good. We are um, good. You've already won me over with swag. I think you're the first person to bring swag in. So uh, now you've set the new bar for anybody else. There we else go. That there we go. That's what we're trying um, to do. All right, man. So uh, thanks for the hat. But we're here to talk about um, like maybe like a reimagining or a reorientation at your agency uh, in regards to pricing, packaging, and maybe how you align certain service offerings to different types of clients. I don't want to butcher it, so maybe the best way to start is to explain the discovery or, or what you guys have, have rolled out at your team. Yeah, so, so we, we I, let me talk about the problem that we had that led to the discovery, because I think that might be what, what a lot of agency people feel with. I know um, I saw it a lot every time I came up the partner day. Um, I'd, I'd always go back and, and, and share with my team, um, A, we're sharing and having a lot of the same problems other people are, and, yeah. and in some cases, like, hey, let me tell you what, <laughs> you think it's bad here, you should talk to these guys, right? And... and it, you know the, the the agency experience is really interesting because we're 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 delivering a set of deliverables and that's you know the, and those deliverables are really tangible but we're also really being brought in um, to do something far more intangible and ambiguous and um, things are always changing and so there was always this disruption and and there was al always a lot of turbulence that I felt like we were always managing mm. and, and and frankly for me it was getting exhausting mm -hmm. right I mean I, I would get stressed because you know why isn't this client doing what we want them to do and what about this and where is that and and the other problem that I saw and I think this is a problem you know for a lot of us is is we were coming in and and we were pricing one way but but we weren't able to resource mm. to to deliver what what the client expected, or to some in some cases what what we um, inadvertently were promising. Mm. And so, so what, resource allocation versus expectations, with pricing yeah. being the the friction point in the middle there. Yeah, like like you know, P, I learned this really interesting lesson in services businesses. People actually have to do things and. And people can only do one thing at a time. Mm -hmm. would've, who would have thought that? That was uh, I thought that was a major discovery. And so, so I started looking at it, and I, and I really started thinking about it. And I said, you know, I actually looked at HubSpot as, as the example. And I said, you know, HubSpot provides a really great solution. I said, but here's the thing that's interesting about this solution. 
There are some people out there that say HubSpot changed my business. We would not be where we are if we didn't use HubSpot. HubSpot is an amazing product. And there are other people who say, yeah, we used it. I mean, yeah, it, it was nice. Um, it didn't work. It didn't really do anything for us. And, and here's the fascinating thing about it. The product was exactly the same for both those people. Sure. Right? And, and HubSpot's promise was, we're going to give you a product that works. We're going to give you a product that will enable you to do this. Um, they learned that they, the promise was not, we're going to give you a product that will do this. Mm-hmm. We're going to give you a product that will enable you to do this. And I realized that's what a solution is. A solution says, we're going to enable you and you're going to use it how you think you should use it. Right? And, and oh, by the way, the, the, res, the onus of results and the onus of direction, that's on you. And, and I realized that we were pricing as we were providing a solution, mm-hmm. but we were constantly being brought into, you know, why isn't this working or why? And, and, and it wasn't even like we're hired to do content. It wasn't that the content's not good or even yeah. that the content's not working. You know, there's the age old, you know, we generated 162 marketing qualified leads and then we got fired because the salespeople didn't turn into yeah, sales. Right. Yep. And it's like, well, well, wait a second. I didn't get hired for the salespeople to turn. I brought you, and we, we would have these conversations regularly. I would say, did, did the marketing qualified leads, did they meet the criteria that we set? At the to, very beginning, right? To, you this know, is, yeah. are, are they legitimate leads that you should be doing business with? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, well, I don't understand how your business is going to be stronger if you don't use us. And they're like, well, you know, it's, it won't be stronger, but at least I won't be paying for, for something that's not paying mm-hmm. off. I said, well, wouldn't it make more sense to figure out what's happening after These we turn over the marketing handed? qualified yeah, leads? The like, like, there's obviously something that's not working there. Maybe, maybe we should fix that. Mm-hmm. Um and, and so I realized that, that um, there's really kind of three levels of, of program that we, that we bring. Mm-hmm. And we dubbed it a services level, a solutions level, and an outcomes level. Hmm. So services level is someone says we need some stuff. Um, someone says, hey, we need, we need a playbook. I hear you do really good playbooks. Can you help us design our playbook? It needs to do this, this, and this. We need a playbook. And, or, or, hey, I hear you're, you, know, you guys write really good blogs. We need yeah. somebody, you know, we need, you know. 22 blogs every quarter. Can you interview? Smaller you, right? scale, like, repeatable work. Yeah, just, and yeah. you know it's you know very very and, and I don't think people get into a whole lot of pain. Like nobody hires a company to do a logo, and then they say, well, you know, the logo didn't translate into sure. yeah. uh, right. So so that's services, right? And and your job there is to do whatever you're doing um, well, and and for the most part, defining what needs to be done is is the job of the customer or the sure. client, right? The solutions program is more of what we think of as the typical inbound retainer, and it can apply to non-inbound situations, but that's the, you're typically providing some level of ongoing services. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I realized is, the, you know, the outcomes program is very similar, if you look at a list, very similar to a solutions program, but the onus is on us to make sure that it's working. The onus on us is to um, read the patterns, see mm-hmm. what's going on, you know, zig and zag and 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 be at the front and think deeply and i you know and and identify all these different things and to have the influence so that what you see can can actually be implemented yeah. and um i always joke around sometimes i'm going to write a book one day about my my experiences working with companies and especially with sales leaders it's going to be called change my company but don't change me hmm. right and that's where the problem would would kind of always come in and and we would have conversations like, look, if you want us to be able to drive these types of results, you've got to be willing to listen to us, sure. right? Yes. Which we all have those conversations. But it hit me as I was doing that. You know, we should probably have that conversation before they sign the agreement, hmm. right? 
And, and, and so we realized that you know, an outcomes program has far more real strategy. An outcomes program also means that, like how many times have you priced a retainer where you came in and you recommended a $12,500 set of services and the client said, well, we can't afford that. And so you narrowed the scope down. Mm-hmm. You said, okay, well, well, we'll not do this, we'll do this. And they said, okay, yeah, we can do that. It's now $7,000, right? But what you're doing, it, it might be good, but because you're not doing these other things, you're not going to be able to achieve the outcome sure. that you want. You're not going to get there. And because you didn't bring the full force, for lack of a better word, it, you know, it, it, it's failed before it begins. And what I began to see was, and I know this for a fact, people will pay far more for outcomes than they'll pay for solutions. And the problem was, I realized we were doing this, and I believe that this is actually endemic in, hmm. in, in advisory, mm-hmm. but, it's, but certainly in, in, in our agency community here, is we price for solutions mm-hmm. and services. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes we do that to win the business. Sure. But we price for solutions and we promise outcomes. Mm-hmm. And, and so the problem, the fault of you generated 185 marketing qualified leads and they didn't turn into sales was you promised revenue. You said this will grow your business. Um, we promised we're going to generate the raw material that will enable you to grow your business, mm-hmm. right? And so when the marketing qualified leads didn't turn into sales, we had less of that issue because we did communicate that more clearly. The expectations were set at the, at the forefront. And, and, and it, it was a lot of like, you know, let's understand how all this works. There's a lot of things that go into what creates a result or not. And someone's got to be in charge of a result. You, My mom taught me that a camel is a horse made by committee, <laughs> right? And, and so part of the problem is I realized we were wrestling with clients because, you know, their chief marketing officer wanted to do something a certain way or their VP of sales wanted to do something a certain way. They wanted us to provide services or solutions, but they wanted to do it a certain way. We didn't always agree with what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes what they were doing was, you know, definitively not working. It's what they wanted to do. We felt like it was our job. It was our mission to get them to change what they wanted to do. We started working with a, a company actually had a really good chief marketing officer and they wanted to do something a certain way and I actually thought it wasn't going to work mm-hmm. and it actually worked really well mm-hmm. and I'm like, hey, let's add that to our playbook. Sure. Right. And, and, and Marketing's just copying other folks that do right. things Right. You know, well. and it's like, wow, I didn't like, oh, I see why that worked when it, when it didn't. And I said, I said, you know what? We maybe have to admit something. Maybe we have to get some humility. Hmm. Maybe our customers, maybe there are some customers out there that actually do know what they should do <laughs> and, and they don't need us to manage that direction. And sometimes the best thing we can do is just enable them to do that. Because I can tell you your way might work, my way might work, but your way and my way conflicting with each other, that definitely won't work. Mm -hmm. And so we realized that's a solutions program. Right, so solutions versus outcomes. Let's pick the path that we're going to pursue. Correct. And so when we do outcomes, we also, not only do we talk about you know, typically a bigger overall fee, which which is driven more by, by the total services. It's not like we charge you know, X plus, we charge X at solutions and for the same thing, X plus at outcomes. Sure. Okay. It tends to be a broader focus. Mm-hmm. Um, there's more strategy involved, which doesn't show up on a scope. Um, and the other part is we talk about the, the role of influence. Mm-hmm. And, and we're up in uh, Massachusetts, Bill Parcells, <laughs> uh, famous guy. Uh, <clears throat> when he quit the New England Patriots at his press conference, mm-hmm. he gave one of what I believe the greatest quotes of all time was, he said, if you want to hold me accountable 
to the quality of the dinner, the least you can do is let me shop for some of the groceries. Sure. Yeah. And 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 so if you're going to hold us accountable to achieving an outcome, then you have to upfront agree that we're going to have a level of influence. We're going to have a seat at the table. Mm-hmm. Not, not you're going to do what we tell you to do. That's not realistic. But you have to commit that there's going to be the influence. Like, like you're going to treat us as if we were um, a member of your senior team yeah. at the board no, table. table. The yeah. trade. Let me ask you this in regards to the, the, the categorization. Yep. How does that manifest itself in the communications or in the, the conversations you have with prospects? Are these externally facing? Do they know that you categorize as such? How does the sales process change when you've been able to identify one category, solutions versus outcome? How do they manifest? If, if we do the sales process right, the client never has any idea that, that that's a piece How of How you're it. thinking about it. Right. And, and so, you know, where we're coming in with an outcomes program, we're focused on identifying, you know, what's the cost of the problem? What's the value of the outcome? What's needed to achieve that? What's the minimum to be able to achieve that and so forth? Mm-hmm. And um, or if we see it as a solutions program, we go down that road and, and we don't necessarily call it out. Um, I had a situation and this is where we really began to formalize it. By the way, we have this on our website. We have a page, mm. you know, our pricing page is our philosophy on pricing. Yeah. And we, we actually talk about eight dials that impact what the price is going to be. And the first one is approach, which is what we're talking about here. Yeah. So um, a client that we had put a $15,000 um, proposal in front of $15,000 a month. Yeah. Who you know really liked our approach, liked that we did things a little bit differently than the typical agency. Was saying, you know, Doug, I really want to work with you, but I mean, I just need to be candid. I I, I see agencies all the time; they do this for like eight thousand dollars, and <laughs> like I'm I don't have a problem paying you more than somebody, but double, I, yeah, but yeah, but double. I mean, I got and I said, oh, would you like us to do these services for eight thousand dollars? We can do that. Hmm. And he knew me well enough to say, okay, well, what's the catch? <laughs> and I said, well, what you've told me to this point is you need these things to happen and you're hiring us to lead that effort and to guide it and to think through it and to um, identify when something works, how do we take more advantage of it and when it's not working and and the whole ebb and flow. And so we're going to be leading that effort and managing that effort. You're telling me that you wanted outcomes. Now, if I misunderstood that and what you're telling me is you need good raw inputs and you're going to be responsible for determining the direction and you're going to drive that and your team's going to be thinking about these things, then we can certainly provide that, you know, and we're going to be much more in line with what you're used to. And mm-hmm. he said, oh, okay, I, I understand that now. Yeah. I mean, I'm short-circuiting it a little bit, but, yeah. but I, I, well, I understand that now. And, you know, that's how I, I tell the story. That's how a $15,000 retainer didn't become Dropped an $8,000 retainer. And, and I can tell you three years ago, we would have taken that, that client at $8,000 and we would have said... Guys, let's do a really good job and we'll do a great job and then they'll see the value of what we do and then they'll increase the retainer and, you know, on and on and on. You probably still would have done the outcomes approach oh, of course. at half the price, right? Correct. Yeah, you would have. Correct. Yeah. And, and, and it would have killed us and it would have, you know, the client would have been with us for 12 to 30 months mm-hmm. and it wouldn't have ultimately gone anywhere and they certainly wouldn't have upgraded. Um, last year, two-thirds of our client upgraded their ser- upgraded services. Mm. Um, and the thing that's interesting was we paid no attention. Like upgrading clients was not an initiative for us last year. And it had been an initiative every other year. And we failed at it every year. <laughs> the one year you deprioritize it, all of a sudden and, it, it happens. And the reason was we priced for success. Mm-hmm. 
we resourced it correctly. We did the right things. The conversations got deeper. The conversations opened up areas. And because we priced it for success, we were successful, mm -hmm. which made the upgrading of it natural as yeah. opposed to let's subsidize year one or year two to try to prove. And, and I've come to the basic conclusion that I don't think that ever worked. <laughs> um, so, so we had this like magical surprise at, at the end um, of that upgrade. But where it's had the biggest impact for us yeah is the disruption in the office is so much less. Mm. Um, when we're wrestling, where we used to wrestle with a client or I've got a team member who says, why won't they listen to us? I'm able to say, look, they're, they're in a solutions program, right? Our job is to share what we know and enable their track. So if they want to do it that way, then just say, you know, you know let them know if we see something that conflicts. Yeah. But once we've informed them and they make the decision that they want to stay on that road, Go, yep. okay, boss, what do I need to do to help you go on that road faster? Mm -hmm. Right? And so we don't... Um, you don't and, try and force yourself into this sort of outcome role if, hey, they're strictly solutions, so we shouldn't be trying to, to and, force that. And, and, and our senior strategists spend less time on it, and we're not digging deep to identify and, you know, hey, let's diagnose where this is and, and, and what's the unknown, because yeah. in all candor, they haven't hired us for that. And, and in many ways, you know, when we talk to them about it, because we almost always started an outcomes... Um, we think out open up every, talking. Yeah, of course yeah. when we talk that you know that's us now I'm not saying that 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 agencies should start at outcomes <laughs> I think that there's a huge market out there for solutions and and what I would say to agencies that are listening is if you're going to sell solutions um, and, and by the way in some ways solutions are more by the way these clients that used to not be profitable at the solutions level are now like really profitable mm -hmm. um, they're a hell of a lot less stressful than our outcomes <laughs> like we lose sleep on our outcomes clients yeah. our solutions clients are like um, we had one client that we're wrestling with. They love us more than ever. And, you know, because we're not fighting with them anymore, yeah, right? right? And right. and so they're more profitable. And, you know, all those things have come together um, to work really well. So, it, it you know, to me, it's about finding what's the right place for you. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the way you're going to operate and, you know, price what you promise. And and that that's going to get us out of this just kind of treadmill that I see more and more agencies yeah. uh, struggling with. Um, in regards, besides just uh, the the higher price tag, are mm -hmm. there any other differences in the way they do business with you for an outcomes program versus solutions? Are any other terms or nuances to the contract? Is there anything else uh, that's different besides the price tag? So, so there there's there's the influence piece. So there, you know there's the commitment of influence um, yep. that, that that we talked about. In, in what shape or what format does that? Like, what does that look like when you when you kind of position that? To it, it's it's more just a stated agreement. Um, and, and so when that resistance comes up, what we get to say is, remember, when we first started talking, um, we, you know, we talked about this and we talked about, you know, that we all agreed that to get where you want to go, you're going to have to do things that you're unfamiliar with or uncomfortable with. Gotcha. Which, which, you know, sounds really good when you say it before you start doing anything. Now you're uncomfortable with it, so you're pushing against it. And so we're able to say, you know, look, if you're not going to do this, Look, it's your company; it's not ours. Sure. But but understand that is going to influence what that outcome is, and it becomes just a. In the past, that was a defensive conversation. Yeah. Now it's just a. Um, it's the conversation that a VP of sales has with their CEO. Normal. Says, sure. "Hey, you know, if you want me to take this track instead of that track, look, I work for you, but but that's what this decision means. Yeah. So so it's it's more that." So um, it's not like a mandated quarterly correct. tribal council meeting, all stakeholders yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, and and then for some of our uh, for some of our programs, we do have success fees. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, like, especially if we're doing any of our outsourced sales development or if we're managing or running their sales development team, we'll, we'll have success fees associated to sales qualified leads that are created. Mm. And as we move down the road, um, I think we'll move into the place, and we've done this at times with people, where where we get um, certain participation based on certain metrics, um, and then the you know the Uber um, opportunity down the path is you know potentially um, part of what you're providing from a services perspective. You get you know an equity piece, sure. things like that. What what I'm a core principle. I, I, I've seen a lot of companies who do what we do. Um, who go bankrupt on that on that basis? Because first off, if you if you subsidize your fee for the upside, mm-hmm. what happens just to is, close the deal, yeah. And, or, or even if it's just like like hey, you look at it, and you say hey, you know what, um, you know this works. It's going to be worth millions of dollars, etc. So, you know, I'll take this and then I'll get to I'll get to participate in the upside. The the problem is, and I've seen it. You get to the point where all of a sudden. Um, you say we're going to get you know five percent of of sales above ten million dollars, and now they're on course to do hundred million dollars, and you're like you know five percent you know four point five million dollars right or no, I'm sorry um, four hundred fifty thousand yeah. dollars, and what happens is they look at you and they go, well we see where we're going I, you know hey Doug I get it they're, we're not paying you four hundred fifty thousand dollars for this so you're you're basically put in this place where you either get fired because they fire you before they have to pay you that upside fee. Or mm. you end up, you know, you don't let them fire you. You negotiate it down, and you took all the downside risk, and they they have that flexibility. So we we will always price for profit, mm-hmm. right? And so if we can't if we can't deliver the service to you on the fee that you're providing, then then we're not going to let upside participation um, blind us to go ahead and do that. Because yeah. again, we only have. S- we, we, we have a very limited influence on what the actual result is. You know, the, the funniest story that I can tell is the most successful engagement I've ever had in my entire business life. The company was 52% below where they were the year after working with us <laughs> than the year before working with us. Mm. They were down 52%. Jeez, yeah. Right. And you go, well, how's that a success story? Well, it was a distributor of concrete and aggregate materials to road and home builders in 2008 going into 2009 mm. and 2010 yeah. they were down 52% their industry was down 80% oh yeah the the ceo said to me literally Doug if we hadn't start working with you when we did we would probably not be right, in business we would have had to close our shop now what if i had priced on on upside, upside right what if yeah. i had priced on results and and the thing that was interesting is when the proverbial you know what started to hit the fan <laughs> mm-hmm. That's when we had to dig deep. That's when, I mean, I, I had three-hour phone conversations with the CEO. If, if they had been priced for, for upside, we would have just stopped paying attention to them because, hey, we're not getting upside. That's right. Yep. right? And, and, it, and it's interesting because when you need me most is, is, is when it's not working, when it's at its worst. Right. And so, you know, understanding that. Um, it sounds really good in theory that it aligns our interests. Yeah. But, you know, I how many... I understand the philosophy against it. I, I yeah. see what you're saying. H- how many people hire employees... Like, you have stock options here, right? Mm-hmm. But that's not the only thing that you're paid, right? Right. You get a salary. And, sure. And if your salary didn't cover your, your you know, your lifestyle and, and sure. enable you to do what you do, you know, the stock options wouldn't be anywhere near as attractive. Sure. Right? So what the stock options do or what the stock does is it says, 
on the upside, on the outlier upside, if you do your job and we do great things and really big things happen, then you'll participate in it because we think you can be part of it. That's where our where our interests sure. are joined. That's where we would bring that that upside participation to an outcomes program. Final question for you. So we close every episode with this. Um, what is the not necessarily related to the topic, by the way, but what is the weirdest part of agency life? Wow, the weirdest part of agency life, um, besides impromptu trips to Boston, everyone. Besides so impromptu, hey, you should have warned me with that question. Wow, I'm usually better. See, yeah, better I, I like to, way. I like to catch them off guard. You know, you know, it's the weirdest part of agency life, and in some ways, it's the most enjoyable part of agency life, and that is, um, I get to wake up every day and say, "What business do I want to be in today?" Sure. Um, I've had interactions with people, um, you know, with senior people at my clients, and I go, um, they're very frustrating conversations, <laughs> and they happen, right? And I go, I'm not working for you today, <laughs> you know? No. And it's like, I remember when I, you know, when I had a report to my boss, and, and I'd have one of those conversations, and I'd be, you know, angry, and it was unfair, and that's not right, and I'd, you know, have to slog through it, and now I go, you know what? I'm going to put Karen over here. <laughs> Let's go focus on this one, you know, yeah. today. And, and I think that... Um, that that aspect combined with you're deeply involved in the business, but you're not of the business, and so yeah. it's, it's this really weird um, kind of symbiotic relationship <laughs> of of um, um, you're kind of in there and you're not in there at the same time. Yeah. That, that, that's probably the weirdest part, and 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 actually but also I, one of the most exciting. It yeah. sounds like too. Sure. And and I talk. I I actually speak to college students regularly, and I talk to them about the fact that you got to decide: do you want to be a marketer or do you want to work at an agency? If if what I just talked about, if you find that intriguing and entertaining, then you'll love agency life. Right. If you find that frustrating, which is totally legitimate to find that frustrating, then then be a marketer and and, and go go, go down the yeah, go yeah. in house as opposed to as as opposed to go agency. That's a good so Great that's answer. Cool. Well, that's yeah. it for me, my friend. Thanks Thank for you, coming man. on. Thanks for the gear. And uh, that's it. This has been Agency Unfiltered. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Agency Unfiltered. If you like what you saw, heard, or read, make sure to subscribe to our playlist on YouTube, our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or our newsletter on agencyunfiltered.com. Alongside episode launch notifications, the newsletter also comes with a ton of other helpful, strategically curated agency content from yours truly. And if you want to keep the conversation going or provide a counterpoint to this episode's discussion, tweet me at, at Kevin underscore Dunn. I'll see you again in two weeks. But in the meantime, keep it unfiltered and let's all grow.